and gentlemen, welcome to wrestling art with Chris Things. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Art with Chris Things. This is uh, episode 12. Oh boy, a uh, whole whole dozen episodes. Yeah, here we are. All right, but this is a match of the week episode. Um, so this is the one where I uh, pick my favorite match that I happen to watch that week i make an art of it and we we talk about the match talk a little bit about the art and talk about life you know all of the things uh, so that's what we have to come this week i have a bloody great match of the week for you a uh, a modern wrestling match that just took place on new year's eve of this past year uh, just a, a bloody classic between katsuhiko nakajima and Kento Miyahara in All Japan Pro Wrestling for the prestigious Triple Crown. Uh, my word, this was a great match, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. We have Cousin Ben returning to the show to talk about that. Uh, I, I think Ben has become the unofficial uh, All Japan correspondent. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we make... Uh, no intentions of being experts here. Uh, we're just a couple dudes who like to watch a bit of Japanese wrestling, um, and uh, that's it. Just to talk amongst uh, mates uh, about the thing. So, if uh, if you are partial to a little bit of Japanese wrestling, uh, or if you've been thinking about this this old Japan thing that you've been hearing all this buzz about with all these great Kento Miyahara matches, perhaps this will be a good one for you. Uh, but so that more more to come later. Uh, this is start little bit my my sort of Chris things artist monologue is uh, continuing along. Uh, this week has been uh, you know back back to work kind of after the the, um, the Christmas break. Uh, I mean I I didn't really take properly any time off anyway. I just kind of like you know, relaxed a little bit, but now, you know, back into it. Uh, I've had a, a really great commission piece that I'm uh, I'm working on for a bloody dear, dear sweet client of mine. Um, such a, a fun job. I can't wait to share that with you guys when it's finished. But you know how these things go, a little, little bit hush-hush until that time, until the, the things are released. So we'll have that. But the other thing that I did this week that I thought might be good to talk about so in, in the lead up to the new book, this uh, Way of the Blade AEW edition, um, I'm, I'm back on to releasing, um, you know, art prints of some of the illustrations or my favorite illustrations of the original Way of the Blade. So, I mean, I don't know, that, that might be the way that a bunch of, of y'all originally got onto me from, from that original Way of the Blade book. Um, but I haven't really spoken about that much on here before, so I thought that might be a good little moment to, to dig into that a little bit. Um, so that was the original Way of the Blade, um, published through Hybrid Shoot. Uh, great team over there, headed up by uh, Jonathan Snowden. 
um, a fantastic author in his own right, uh, amazing uh, history of mixed martial arts book that originally got me onto him, and, and then uh, all of the, the nerddom of, of shoot style wrestling. Um, you know, we, we both share a passion on that. Uh, and, and then, you know, they, they sort of were doing this book of a uh, hundred of the greatest bloody wrestling matches of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, put my hand up for that one and, and they dug my work and thought I was good for it. And then, man, this, uh, was a heck of a project, a hundred illustrations. Um, this was really my first thing that I'd done uh, of this nature um and it was it was a challenge so i actually had the option of of you know sort of doing 50 or or however many illustrations i said nah let's do the whole hog let's do a bloody hundred <laughs> um and man it was a a challenge i'll tell you that but i honestly think that uh, through the process of doing that it made me uh, so much better as an illustrator um, you know, just the, the process of, of going through and doing it again, 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 again. I look back on some of the illustrations, and I think a lot of us do this when you look back on old, old work. Um, and I look at some of those older ones, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not my current version of myself is very critical when I look back at those. But I think when you look at that, it's honestly a good thing because it's showing the progress that you've made. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that, that's a little sort of, uh, tip for, for anyone out there. And then same thing, um, you know, I've had this, uh, book about Dustin Rhodes, um, in the, the works for a while that I'm also working on with, uh, with hybrid shoot and, and, uh, Phil Schneider. I want to make sure to put over the amazing Phil Schneider, who's the, the author of these books, uh, from the OG, uh, Death Valley Driver forum days, uh, or the Schneider comp tapes, if anyone remembers those. Uh, but man, uh, this was a, a challenge for me, you know, getting that original book done. Um, but just, a, a, a you know, a passion, but a, a, when you, when you're toiling away at something that you're really passionate about, it's always rewarding. Um, so yeah, I was, I was so stoked about that. Now I'm, I'm stoked to be able to reshare uh, some of those favorite illustrations from that book uh, with you guys. Uh, so on the social media on uh, at Chris Things, um, and also you can buy those prints at my website at christhings.com.au. Uh, so I just uh, did perhaps my favorite uh, illustration. I posted that up there, the one that I saved officially till last. Um, from the, the original book, the famous Terry Funk versus Itsushi Onida uh, exploding barbed wire time bomb death match from FMW. Um, so check that out. Uh, but that was so close to my heart and I, I really wanted to get that right. So I saved it for very last and I wanted to capture as much of the emotion in that match as I possibly could. And the idea of uh, these these two men going through this this arduous thing together, um, but then coming out of it uh, as as you know close to one or one another, I guess. And and the, the moment of, of Terry's despair of when um, Anita first first meets those uh, exploding barbed wire ropes. Uh, I uh, there's so much emotion in that match. It's such a great match. Buddy, go out of your way to watch it. 
tremendous stuff but yeah it's kind of that um and yeah i'm very stoked obviously about the the new way of the blade books i'll continue to release some of my favorite illustrations of the og one um and then yeah if, if you uh fan of that uh, perhaps this new one might be right up your alley and and i would love to see some of those original illustrations up on people's walls uh i'll, I'll be honest with you um but yeah that's about it for this week i think that's good i think it's time for us to maybe throw over to uh ben who i uh alternate universe chris has on the line right about now Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I have a man on the line who's ready to talk some old Japan pro wrestling. Basically, at this point, our old Japan pro wrestling uh, source of expertise for the wrestling art podcast. This is this is the second uh, old Japan uh, match of the week that has that's happened, uh, I think, and we've got. Cousin Ben back on the line, but welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much, Christopher. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, I think as I said last time, you are still the only person that I know uh, of my friendship circle that, uh, you know, keep keeps up with all Japan for the most part. So well done there. Oh, thank you very much. So no one, even with Nakajima recently, haven't shown any interest to watch the occasional show. Oh, actually, that that's a little bit of a like. So I did watch this show and, and get caught up with a bunch of the Nakajima versus uh, Kento Miyahara stuff uh, and from the last couple of months' worth of uh, All Japan with uh, Brad and Mitch. So mm. they came over. Oh, uh, mate, best, uh, good good buddy uh, Brad, who was on the, the show uh, the other week when we were talking about um, Loki versus Kenta. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and yeah, uh, both of those dudes seemed very impressed by the match that we're we're here to talk about this evening. Uh, the the rematch of Kento Miyahara and um, Katsuhiko Nakajima. But uh, before we get too far into it, how have you been? How was your Christmas, man? Yeah, actually, it's it's been pretty good. I was basically just been a stay-at-home dad for the last three weeks so i went back to work for the first day today Ooh. so so it was a, a different a different pace i was living by it was a is that is that a full-time stay-at-home dad or part-time stay-at-home dad what's the sitch there oh it was, it was pretty much full-time with the days eloise was um working and when she wasn't working it was basically i was still home with aurora but she was there to help so oh, but, yeah so it normally was like if if she woke up before six o'clock, I didn't get my run in if I had planned to. So I just end up taking her to a park to play in a park and grab a coffee. Do you still get your cardio in other other ways? Like if you go to the park, do you go and like ride on one of those stationary park bikes or something? No, but I do get a bit of cardio, and it's basically just chasing her up the playground and make sure she doesn't fall off. You know, like all those, <laughs> all those little kids' playgrounds have those fireman poles? Oh, yeah. It's like a stairway to heaven type thing. It's like she ain't big enough to reach that pole, or if she does, she's got good grip strength. Mm-hmm. But if her body weight's flying, she ain't stopping. 
So, so the cardio is just chasing her. <laughs> you may have to to lay the the occasional hip check on another little kid who's getting a bit too close to her and might knock her over. <laughs> it's like I'm not afraid to put my ass in the way. So a little a little boys are one of the worst. The ones that are very confident on the playground, mm-hmm. they just sort of knock them. And she's a little girl. She's pretty petite, so it's like well, she can go flying. So I was like. Uh, you little shit yanking past my ass. <laughs> so, uh, Aurora's is she like three now? Nah, she's not that old. She's only uh, twenty months, so just just under two. She turns two in May. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, so, ages. Don't worry, I am now too. I, I don't like remembering how old I'm. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, you uh, but, you getting near the the big four uh, O party? You going to be doing a party for that one? Uh, I don't know if I'll doing a party, but I I do turn thirty nine in a couple of months. As soon as I get anywhere near it, like, I have everyone in my life, like, telling me I'm basically 40. Like, I just turned 37, and between, like, Kaylin and my mum and, like, everyone, it's basically like, well, you're you're basically 40 now. <laughs> What's this bullshit? Well, well I, I tell I tell Louise, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, I'm feeling a bit old these days, and I'm, like, I'm expecting her to say, it's like, no, you're still young, you still move well. It's like, oh, yeah, you're getting older. It's like... <laughs> Love, I say these things because I want you to disagree with me and give me some confidence, not agree with me when I'm saying I'm old. And as I, as I like to say these days, like, well, either you or my daughter are going to push me out of wheelchair since you're 10 years older than younger than me, and she's a, a good 36 years younger than me. So one of them will be my wife and push me out when I'm older. But, oh, man. But, but it's like you, you say stuff because you want them to disagree with you, not agree with what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. That's like, like, no. I, you want to be I'm like, no, Ben, you're, you're a sprightly young yeah. man. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. It's like, love, I'm, I'm, look, I'm putting it out there because I want a compliment. Hmm. Not, not for you to agree with me. Yeah. Well, so, hopefully she, she gets the, the clue there. Oh, I actually had to sp- spill it out. Just put it out for a laugh. I'm like, love. <laughs> I'm saying this because I want you to disagree, not agree with me. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. So, how was your so, Christmas? Good yeah, yeah. Home? Mine was mine was pretty good with the, the you know the old family thing. Um, I probably worked through it more than I normally would. So, with my old job when I was uh, still doing marketing stuff, mm-hmm. I kind of um, had a bit more of a you know, a hard line that yeah. I'd, I'd try to set. I mean, oftentimes I'd still be doing some, you know, work social media stuff or, or whatnot, yeah. you know, sometimes getting closer to Christmas, but at least I'd be like, all right, this is work or this is home stuff. Yeah. Now with the work being like the art and illustration kind of thing, it's like a lot more just, I don't know, it is just my life and I'm just doing yeah. it all the time. So I definitely worked uh, a lot more through Christmas than I normally would. Um, we still had a, a couple of days here and there to go out and, you know, spend a day with friends or, mm. um, we went up to this, uh, lovely, uh, creek with the, the dogs the other day that was, was quite lovely. Um, nice. but yeah, I'm still, uh, adjusting a little bit, I guess, to the, the sort of like work life balance of when your, your work is meant to be your passion kind of thing, you know? Yeah. No, it is, it's definitely, uh, the balance is harder to find. When your love is your work, 
Hmm. I mean, and it's good in some ways because I guess they say like you know the dream is is you know working of you know something that you you would want to do anyway yeah. kind of thing. Um, I mean that and that's true because I I would be you know if I was having time off I I would likely just be you know doing paintings or whatever yeah. anyway. Um, but I guess it's a bit different when you're you're doing it just for yourself, just for for fun kind of thing. Yeah. Versus you know doing um you know I love getting commission commission work and mm. um that kind of stuff and and having things like you know even like the, the this match of the week thing that we're talking about I yeah. I really enjoy the process of doing that but it is like you know you have to sort of keep yourself accountable whereas yeah. um you, got you know with those kind of doing. Make. Yeah, exactly. When you're doing stuff just, you know, for, for fun over Christmas or doing a painting, it doesn't, you know, matter when it gets done or, or whatever. It's a, it's a complete different different story, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, still still working the things out, but it's it's good. Can't complain. Well, well glad to hear, glad to hear. Yeah, thanks. I, um, I have, uh, for, for the next one, I just, I, I, won't, I won't spoil too much about it, but I feel like, you will really dig. You specifically will really dig the the next match of the week. Okay. I watched it today. Um, I'm guessing when it's I was not doing my research. It's not current. No. <laughs> um, a bit of a retro one. Again, I can't give out too much detail. Um, but I, uh, I, it was a amazingly physical battle. Um, and it was involving a wrestler that um, I was uh, talking to a guest on this show, in fact, not very long ago. So there's a, there's a little cryptic hint, but <laughs> you'll see what it is on, uh, on uh, Friday, I guess. Okay, I'm very intrigued, very intrigued. If you if you like a, a good old uh, clubbering of a wrestling match, this is, this is the one oh. for you. I definitely do. That is that is my preference these days. <laughs> I mean, we definitely got that in in this one, this uh, Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara one. I mean, before we get into this match, so for our uh, our listeners at home, um, so the the match that we're talking about is the the Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara match that that main evented um, the All Japan show on the the thirty first of of December. This, this past year, the uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling Maniacs 2023 show at uh, Yoyogi National Stadium Gymnasium number two. Um, so this was the the second match in the series of 2023. They actually had a previous match, a uh, previous singles match in, in Noah back in July um, that also bloody amazing match and it was such a thing for me because I actually ended up watching them both on the same night last week um with the guys and mm. I was just like oh it, it was such <laughs> a tough call um and for me obviously for it to be the match of the week uh, this this later all Japan one edged out the, the prior one for me mm. but you told me that you you went the other way, is that right? Yeah, well, for me, it was, they were both pretty close. I haven't rewatched the the July match recently. It would have been a couple of months ago since I watched it. Mm. But from feel, 
like I love them both, but I th- remember I think it was the the finishing sequence of mm. the first match that gave me that that I thought put it over the edge. But then when you mentioned the finishing sequence and the why certain moves meant actually more, knowing the bit of the background to them, it was a bit tougher. But I'd still I have to go with my gut and give it to that the first match. Right. On purely, right. but if you take into the story of the f- sequence of the second match, I may have changed my opinion on which match was better if I knew that going Ooh. in. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to rewatch the July match perhaps, mm. but like on first impression, yeah, after I watched that first one, the July one, and then when I watched this one in December, um, I was just like, man, both were amazing, but I think this one just, just edged it out, and we'll be, we'll be talking a bit about that uh, later on. But, um, I mean, for, for our listeners, I wanted to give a little bit of a, a, a painting of the, the feud to give a bit of a idea of it. So these guys um, both went all the way back to uh, Kensuke office, both came up with uh, Kensuke Sasaki as, as their, their mentor. Um, uh, they're both trained, I believe, by, by Kensuke and, um, and Master Saito, I think. I may not be right on that one, but I think I am. Oh, I think you are. All the references are, especially with Kid Amiya, who was mm. the other one in the three. He's, like, he's basically Master Saito. So had... Yeah, Master Saito was kind of like mm. the, the grandpa mm. of the, the Kensuke office family, mm. with uh, Akira Hokuto being the, the mum and mm. uh, Kensuke being the daddy. That's the way I always thought about it. <laughs> That's the way I definitely say it. But yeah, like, if he was, because those three basically came through at the same time, he yeah. had to have had to have a role, especially in the, what they, the way they wrestle too. Yeah. And I mean, then the key part of it relating to, to this series with um, Kento Miyahara and um, Nakajima being that Nakajima was always kind of positioned as like the ace kind of thing. Mm. He was always like the best student kind of deal. While, um, you know, like uh, Miyahara was like the super, super duper talented guy, mm. but just not quite at that level kind of thing mm. and then that continued on when both of them um as well as Kensuke actually came into Noah um and uh, I remember because this is when I was probably one of my first times of watching Noah like really regularly maybe back around um 2007 2008 sort of time um and you'd see Kento Miyahara on on some of those shows okay. I mean these were the same ones when when Nakajima was having these like just classics like you know all-time great junior heavyweight title matches against kenta back in the day they had an amazing series but you'd see this other dude um kento miyahara on the the shows and you'd be like man this guy seems real good but you know he's just obviously not at nakajima's level just yet and then eventually a lot of stuff happens um and uh kento miyahara goes to all japan um and uh, back when uh, Jun Akiyama was uh, was in in charge of that that promotion, he oh, okay. positioned um, Kento Miyahara as the the ace of all Japan. 
Um, which at that time I remember a lot of people were like, "What the what the heck's he doing here? This what's this Kento Miyahara fellow ever done?" And then he goes on to be like one of the greatest aces of a promotion you would ever see. Like I, a lot of this podcast is probably just going to be the Kento Miyahara Appreciation <laughs> Society. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah, wrong nothing with that wrong with that. Um, but then uh, Nakajima, you know, stayed in Noah. Um, and then just sort of got to the, the top of that promotion, became GHC heavyweight champion multiple times, uh, an amazing run, amazing tag team, uh, both with uh, Masa, uh, uh, Masa Kitamiya. Masa Kitamiya. I have Masa Saito on the brain, yeah, sorry. Masa, Masa Kitamiya uh, as the, what was their name? Were they the Aggression? Yeah, the Aggression, that's it. Yeah, and then we had the, his amazing, uh, his probably his more famed uh, tag team in Noah being the, the Axis tag team with Goshi Izaki. Just some fantastic matches. Great feud with um, with Masakitamiya um, that we were referencing there. And then oh, uh, just an incredible yeah. run. Great series of matches. Finish with that big Cade match they had. Oh, amazing stuff, man. Guys, if, uh, if you have a Russell Universe subscription and you want to see one of the darn greatest cage matches of all time, which happens to also be in front of just... That, that was like no fans at all, wasn't it? That was during COVID, but it was just one of the best things you ever did see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because it had to be between... It was like 2021 and Japan was still pretty... pretty much having no people at their uh, shows. Yeah, and it stands out to me because I remember it being such a brutal match and taking some insane risks. Uh, like, I'm it pretty took some sure. crazy bumps, didn't they? Didn't Kitamiya do, like, his bloody senton off the top of the cage yeah. or something? I'm pretty positive, fucking did. Because, like. In front of no fans. Mm. Just insane shit. But, bloody God, are you way to, to see that one? Mm. Awesome match. But uh, that's not what we're here to talk about today. But, so basically. <laughs> Uh, what I'm sort of hinting at here is um, Kento Miyahara became the man in all Japan, uh, Nakajima, same in, in Noah, and then Noah and all Japan in 2023 started doing some interpromotional kind of stuff. Yeah. So we got to see some, some rad interpromotional matches between those companies. Some, some great stuff. I actually got to see uh, the first big one with the All Japan boys coming in to challenge uh, some of the NOAA guys on the big um, Muto retirement show um, at the Tokyo Dome that I was lucky enough to be at uh, earlier, or well, last year, actually. Yeah. Man, very great lucky. stuff. Very, but, very lucky, um, Thank you. And then, uh, yeah, we, we that culminated, the, the NOAA versus All Japan feud in... Um, Kento Miyahara coming over to have first was this the, the first time ever singles match? It's it's the first one that I know of unless they had like they definitely would have had to have one in Kensuke office wouldn't they but I thought they would I mean I'm looking at but, their um, their history on cage match right but, now and I'm, I'm not actually seeing any but they never really they never mentioned anything that I can remember with Fortune the first match and the English I think they had like... multi-man matches oh, against one multi. another, uh, and, and you know more uh, multi-man matches against one another in in Noah as as well. Um, 
but then yeah this was like their, at least their first time facing off against one another in a long long time and then that was just that that classic we were talking about in um july and so nakajima had his number on that one got the the win there and then nakajima lo and behold actually leaves noah at the end of the year that was just a, a shocking revelation um, I couldn't believe it because it just felt like he was part of the fabric of that company. Well, he'd been there and since then, like he was, was it 17, 18 when he first made his first appearance. Yeah, yeah, he'd been there forever. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he he's comes over and right off the bat challenges um, Yuma Oyaji for the Triple Crown. And yeah. we're all just like, oh, is this just sort of a token challenging for hmm. the belt before he's going to go elsewhere? No, well, he comes out and he wins the belt. Well, that was the crazy thing. But did you also – Dave was reporting that originally the rematch, when they first had the first match, the, re, the re, rematch was originally booked for Kento to win the match. But so after that I first did match, read there. That that was in this, this past week's Observer, wasn't yeah. it? I was just uh, catching up on that. So apparently – Initially, um, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna believe the the newsletters or whatnot, but yeah, Dave did say that um, Kento Miyahara was originally scheduled to successfully uh, to to win the the belt back in in this one. So to me, it's almost like well, that's maybe the belt was never initially aligned. It's like when things change, and he decided he wanted a new challenge after that first match, having it, and the the thing the things he'd been doing. It's like did his mind change? And that's when he asked for his release from Noah. And that's when the opportunity with all Japan came via the rematch, giving him the belt beforehand and another, another amazing match. Right. Is that, is that when it all changed? And that's when they changed yeah. the booking by giving, instead of just a normal rematch, it became giving him the title. And then when it seems like something more than that, he wins that match for Kento then to have the big, the third match down the line, possibly to win the belt then or something. Or I think, I mean, the way that it feels that this story has been going, it almost feels like every time they, they wrestle one another, um, Nakajima, maybe due to that seniority, has he's got um, Kento Miyahara's number. Mm. So I think it's maybe almost one of those things where they keep wrestling and then finally the big thing will be for um, Kento Miyahara to, to finally upend Nakajima, but we'll see. Cause it, we will see. It has to be... You can't do three big losses in a row. No. Me. Although, like, it wouldn't surprise me if people would do it, but it just... To have to finally have that win after three losses, it just for me, it just seems like you're too much losses being taken off. I mean, the, the key here is that it's not like Miyahara is looking like a schlub in these no. classes. You no. know what I mean? Like yeah, he, looks he is the ace of this company, mm. even though he doesn't have the belt, and oh. he's like the most over guy on these shows. Yeah. So, like the, yeah, the big thing is like basically for twenty six minutes, the entire match they're chanting his name, no matter mm. what's happening. It's like Kento, Kento. It's like <laughs> no man have I seen have that much charisma, and the way he comes out the way he calls upon the crowd to start chanting his name to them just naturally chant it the whole, whole match. <laughs> in, I don't see a man over in a promotion more than he is. 
I, you know, one of the things that he's also got that I've never seen before, mm-hmm. I really appreciate. Have you noticed with his entrance, so amazing entrance music and the whole like pruning to the crowd mm. and like jacket and everything. <laughs> he's got the whole thing down. Um, he's got the whole like synced in movements mm. with the crowd response oh. and everything. It's and then, oh yeah, absolutely. Like he's, he's got ace all over him. Mm. Um, when he, after his music cuts off, he has this like sound effect that continues going without the music that's basically entirely dedicated to just him, like, cheerleading the crowd. Have you noticed this? <laughs> no, but I'm going to actually have to look at it now. It's so good. It's like this big bassy beat thing that's like, oh. that goes along with the chant of, like, oh, Kento, no. Kento, Miyahara, Kento. And it's like this beat that goes, like, boop, boop, boop. Yes, I do because I remember him doing with his hands where he goes up the one side and then up the other side. And mm, yeah, mm, mm. no, no, actually, no. Now you say you've done the sound effects. <laughs> 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 yeah, it just reminds me of him moving his hands up in those gradual stages. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that that came across. I wasn't right. sure about my my vocal abilities to recreate that sound <laughs> effect, but I'll count that as a win. I'll count that as a win. Thank you. Always, always. <laughs> um, but then, man, if we're talking about entrances, the entrance mm. of Nakajima in this one, his his classic Nakajima theme music is gone. His uh, his his beautiful locks gone. <laughs> His his everything about his previous mm. gear completely changed. He's he's mm. all business. The hair mm. is buzzed. He's got this buzzed bleach hair going on. He's got uh, the all white gear. He's got the this white um, like entrance Terms. jacket, kind of like yeah. uh, so, a bit reminiscent of um, Anoki, uh, perhaps. Yeah, and then the biggest one being seconded by uh, Hisashi Shinma who were a massive historical figure in Japanese wrestling, uh, former chairman of, of New Japan, long-time uh, business. Booker. B- yeah, yeah, formerly uh, Booker of uh, all Japan, as, I mean, of New Japan as well, from the, the 70s through the early 80s, until um, he was uh, ousted um, with, uh, I think, Anoki on some embezzling charges or something. Yeah. I, no, no, I read that too. I thought I found it yeah. quite funny. Embezzling money from was it old Japan to one of Anoki's side businesses or something? No, to New Japan. Yeah, sorry, New Japan. Yeah, to one of his yeah, side yeah. businesses. <laughs> Man, there's some seriously interesting stuff that happened yeah. during that time. Um, there was I wish I could remember the name for this. A great website that has a lot of um, translations of uh, books and stuff uh, that, or like interviews and things where they, they talk about a lot of that historical thing but just such a, a wild time um, the sort of behind the scenes bit of like 70s and 80s uh, Japanese wrestling where it's like that kind of like embezzling and everything like it sounds kind of outrageous yeah. now but I don't even think it was that crazy back then I mean, basically the Yakuza was like running mm-hmm. most of the wrestling companies at that time mm-hmm. too well, it doesn't seem too bad considering basically he was running one company and he was just putting the profits into another company. So it's like, yes, it's against the law, but there's a lot worse things to do. Yeah, and apparently that kind of stuff was, was um, quite normal at the time, mm. um, especially with like businesses' profits being sort of like embezzled into 
side businesses and then that's how it would sort of get into yakuza hands and that mm. kind of deal um but yeah there's a lot of just standard japanese uh business practices mm. at the time i guess mm. <laughs> Which is just so funny in itself. Yeah, and then he went on to start um, UWF. So I'm mm. like, if, if Shinma didn't exist, would, would shoot-style wrestling mm. even exist? Which is just wild. And then ended up uh, ousted from that company when um, uh, Sayama came in. Yeah. I guess him and Sayama had some beef from New Japan earlier or something. More than a beef was basically, wasn't it? Sayama said, I'll come in, but he has to go, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's the way Dave yeah. said anyway. I was like, <laughs> That's balls. I mean, but... and honestly, if you've got the original Tiger Mask company, kid, like you would probably get rid of most people. So yeah. sorry, sorry, Shinma, you got to go. So I mean, I guess I was sort of given a bit of background mm. for the idea of like, so what is Shinma doing here, mm-hmm. and what's the idea of him him seconding Nakajima? Um, and I guess it's like. And, and the other thing was he came out to the, the old Ali Bomaye yeah. theme music, which also, you know, big connection to Anoki too. So I think yeah. a lot of it was sort of like connecting the dots of like, I don't know whether it was sort of like just building him up as this like massive kind of star, like a fresh start, reinvigorated kind of thing, or whether it's like playing on the sort of like New Japan versus mm. All Japan um, kind of Ooh. thing as well. I don't know. For, for me, it felt like they were trying to elevate him mm. to a new level. And then it was like, like played into the way he wrestled the match. It was more of the MMA style. It's like where he, from the st- start of the match where he, he was on the ground and, and laying the kicks in a Miyahara, the, 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 like they do in the octagon. It's like, yeah, when they don't want... Oh. When they want you know what you know what that said to me though straight away when I saw that mm. that was did you ever see the um the Ali versus Anoki fight? No, I've only heard. I've, I've never seen. Is that was that how it? Anoki? That was basically the entire fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was actually amazing and really smart. I mean, we're not yeah. going to get completely into that, but basically, um, Ali had such a strict rule set that. Anoki couldn't really do any strikes above the waist, I think, was the was the key. Other like leg kicks, I mean. Yeah. Um, so other only like, you know, boxing. So mm. he actually had a really smart technique of falling onto his back and then just working these kicks to the legs. So he'd be out of the danger of, you know, an uh Ali's punches. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was maybe a bit of a, a nod to to that and the whole um, you know Ali Anoki vibe mm. of uh, Nakajima's makeover, I guess. It, it basically it definitely plays into it. It gives the more you know on the backstory and it plays into the, the music. You, entrance music comes out to the look. Such a good song. Makes more sense. Uh, definitely. <laughs> I was I was buffing my head along to that one. Man, <laughs> that goes hard. Mm. Oh man. But so I mean, getting into the match, I, mm. I think I absolutely love the leg kicks. Like I was saying, mm. um, there was a bit where they sort of go. They have like a, just a really great um, sort of like lock up, like a prolonged kind of yeah. like lock up thing that was just one of the greatest like fiery like examples of how you can just get put so much in into and get so much out of like something as simple as a, a lockup. I thought that was like really, really great. Oh, I'm saying it's, it's it just the, the test, the strength, the, the back and forth, the way they play it. They really like 
stretching out, lunging down, trying to get that little bit of leverage. And then it just just the way he Kento paces, it, he makes the simple just look it just just draws you in. It's it's by just doing the simple things so much better than other people. He just sort of stages it to to elevate certain stages to just take the match to a new level. Yeah. And I thought this match, like both guys did such a great job mm. of that, of like drawing you in mm. and like because it started out a little bit slow kind of thing because both guys were, you know, like we're saying with this lock up and, and both guys were quite respecting one another's mm. game. Um, but I thought it did such a jo- great job. Like the whole sort of thing of this match that I love so much was the, the pacing and build kind of mm. thing. And I thought this was kind of the definition of like what they say where you, you bring a crowd down so then you can like bring them up after. And I thought that's kind of what this, this match was. Um when they finally turned it on, it's like about I reckon about that halfway stage when I think Kento lands the pile driver on the ring apron. Mm. I felt mm. that was the turning point from from that point in the match. It just went to a whole new level. The speed, like the exchanges they had, the running knees, the back at back, the Germans, the big kicks, the vertical suplexes it was just like it went from the collar and elbow tie ups to then just this new level. Yeah. And it was so great, like because and he worked the legs sort of up to that point a little bit, um, just sort of like not as much as he would go on to work the arm, but sort of like you know going after it a bit. But then yeah, we get into this bit, and I had a I don't know about that exact sequence that you're talking about because it's like it's almost like a bit a bit slower, and then it's like all right, we're going up a gear, guys, and the crowd like is just going nuts, like just a, a amazing like short burst sequence of, mm. of like this um you know like you're saying all the kicks the germans and then that sweet mm. brain buster at the end by mm. kento mm. and then the crowd was just like fuck mm. and then we have like a great double down where you finally get to breathe <laughs> <laughs> uh, just it's like damn that's how it's done yeah but yeah as you said like nakajima starts off he working the legs so like, then as the match goes on and then starts specifically going in that right army with the kicks, the holds. Which then... oh, did you did you remember specifically the moment when he started targeting the arm? Because that like came across to me on rewatch. I'm trying to. No, I can't remember. It was it was the bit where it had a, a great little um, exchange coming out of of that one, um, where. Um, Kento goes for a clothesline and then uh, uh, Nakajima just catches that clothesline with this mighty kick to uh, it. And we, I remember when we were all watching it together, uh, all of us were like, ooh, like it was one of those ones that gets just like a proper like audible reaction <laughs> of like, oh, fuck that. Because there's something about, you know, taking kicks to like other body parts, but like taking a kick to like a limb like that, that just uh, seems nasty, man. And then, like, straight to work on it from there with the the Fujiwara. So good. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless.
regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That, that it's, just, it's just replaying that. I do remember that fucking kick he landed. Because it, it was like, he, he landed a few kicks, but in comparison to that first match, I thought his attack was more a lot more kick dominant. Mm. Where this, it seemed to he pulled back a bit on the kicks. Yeah, which which I was quite surprised. But then, I mean, we still got so, him, but it wasn't oh, like the kicks were no. his his main game yeah, kind of attack. thing. Like he had a bunch of other stuff to kind of like fill it out, and maybe this game plan that we're kind of talking about. But the the big one was like. The sequence where he goes from, what was it? I'm trying to think. There was a bit that I um, remembered that was shortly after that that last one with the the Fujiwara, where he's continuing mm. to like work over the the arm and mm. you know peppering in these kicks and fucking like kicking the the arm and like just mm. kicking him all over really, um, and it kind of felt like at that stage that just like I was saying before, kind of like. Nakajima just has Kento's number, like he's game planned it kind of thing, yeah. and he's just got, totally got his number. Um, and then there was um, this this great oh, uh, there was a bit where he did the the that slap, yeah, the um, open palm. That, that palm strike of death, which I bloody yeah. love how they've built that up so much. From like, do you remember watching that match in DDT mm. where he just murdered Endo with that? Fucking oath. <laughs> I don't think he was supposed to knock him out, but fuck it. I don't but, think so. But that's that was what I was gonna say is like that was another one I thought you may have done the pick of the the palm strike. Oh. I thought, yeah, like I was very happy that you, you chose the the armbar, but I thought I thought that was another one that you possibly. But I remember I swear one of your other picks of the the week was a a strike like that. So I thought good choice in the end but do we yeah. did you think about I mean, doing the pa- palm strike the palm strike i did i did i did consider it actually because like i said I, I just love how much mm. they've built that up to just be this this palm strike of death mm. like you hit someone with it they go down immediately mm. <laughs> but um no i think that was sometimes when i go through the match um you know, when I'm looking for sort of a visual or sort of like keep an idea about, oh, that was a good one. Let's let's have a mental image of that. That might be one that I come back to as as a contender for for the um the shot. But I think for this one, because it was just so much about the arm and the way that that like wove through, um, like especially, I mean, it, it, there's actually a spot that that's like we're right up to sort of at this point in the match where um. He is is trying to get that straight jacket German. Yep. And he just can't pull it off yeah. because he he of the arm yeah. being weakened and then straight away afterwards you see him like, you know, clutch his, his arm, mm. which I thought was like such a great little detail. Mm. And a lot of the time in these kind of big epic kind of matches, um, 
you'll see guys work a kind of like body part through the match just cause. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't really have that much of an effect in, in the finish or anything it, like that. Yeah, how it doesn't play into it at all. It's basically they've worked worked a leg for the whole match and don't even try and do anything with it in the finishing sequence. Yeah, don't acknowledge it or anything. It used to happen all the time. I remember back in the day when I was watching um, Dragon Gate and um, Naruki Doi was on top and he'd have these long, epic matches. A lot of them very good, but he was, like, notorious for just, like, oh, yeah, now this is the part where we just, you know, work a body part for, like, 20 minutes and then forget about it later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, man, I I thought this was just really smart and and clever of the way that they threaded that needle through the match. And, like, again, the idea of, like, um, Nakajima having this game plan kind of worked out. And the the arm being such a, a a key part of it. I actually, well, the, the sequence you're talking about, I loved what led to it, where Kento landed those three running knees. But it's not man. Get... And can we just say how bloody great are Kento Fine. Miyahara's knees? Well, the, Everyone. Fucking, but the, the most impressive part about it is it's not the same fucking knee from the same angle, the same spot. They're all different. Uh, ones. All, all different. Like he's got the standing one that looks amazing. He's got the running one to the corner. Then he also has mm-hmm. the the drop kicks to position them to to hit the knees. It's like it's never just where guys like Ikata does an amazing drop kick, but it's the same one every single time. There's no variation to it. Where mm. Kento for each move, there's multiple variations that are all fucking amazing. It's like. It's not even including the big fucking boot he does. <laughs> and he's, like, evolved that mm. so well over time, I think. Like, it's sort of really built up to be such mm. a great repertoire mm. of these awesome mm. knees that mm. he has. Um, and I, you know, this is something I've said many mm. times before, but I will say it again. Kento Miyahara's knees put Kenny Omega's to shame. I, I definitely, I, I do agree. After watching a lot more of him from in this last year, the the variety and how good they all look, it does take, it, it definitely elevates them above Kenny's because Kenny's, as good as they are, they're very limited in what he does with them. Like the predominant mm. one he does is when the guy's on the rope, the V-trigger to the back. It's it's not, there's no, it's just a build he actually does to the knees, which can also be the amazing. It's like, he was, I think the, he lands the crazy standing knee after reversing multiple Nakajima kicks to his chest and back, where it just, mm. kicked, he's sitting on the ground taking these kicks that look like they'd fucking break you in half. Then <laughs> the next second, he stands up and it looked just the connection. It just looked perfection. Or oh, was that mm. the, the standing kick from um, Nakajima? No, this one was where I think Kento was sitting on the ground in the middle of the ring and Nakajima mm-hmm. was kicking front and back of his chest. Mm-hmm. Then he, I don't know the exact, Libby versus by, I don't know if he eventually stands up or something and then just lands a standing knee. At, oh, one of yeah. those flash ones, yeah. That got us all instant. when we were watching it. We were That was when mm. we were all like, mm. you know when you, you get to that level, mm. you're just like, oh, holy shit! Mm. <laughs> so those kind of things you just don't see coming are where it just takes it to another level for me. And that, that's also the pacing that we're talking about too and mm. like just that, that 
perfect timing and I think I've said it before about certain guys sometimes certain opponents just have like a level of chemistry with one another mm. where just the, the the timing is just so perfect and this this that really like stood out to me in this one. Oh god yeah I um think uh, the the other bit so we already had him try that um first straight jacket yep. and then going down this like finishing stretch um so awesome uh kento looking like he's finally gonna get this straight jacket mm. german and like the proper awesome like you know that the stalling yep. straight back at german uh like almost like a everest german kind of mm. thing the way he was doing it Arches and like putting him up yeah. slow 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 arch like how the fuck can you hold a guy like that is about 95 kilos bending your back trying to fall away Oh, and you're like, all right, he's finally going to get mm. it. And then, mm. no, his arm fucks out on him again. Mm. And then a second later, Nakajima hits the fucking <laughs> nastiest high kick to the oh, head. You know. <laughs> like a Mick, Mikko oh. Krokop fucking oh. shit. Like, that's when I was like, fuck. This is like, that's if, if he'd done that land on Endo, he would have fucking killed him. Like, I don't know if it's because Kento trained with him and knew exactly how to take it, but the connection, the spot is like, fuck me. I don't think most people in American professional wrestling would like to take that. <laughs> so, so, like, when you see someone, I was like, if he went to, because I, I don't know what the, the, with the all Japan and WWE working relationship type thing, it's like, if he went to WWE and did that kick, I think he'd fucking kill the guy. <laughs> it's like, you, you take one of his kicks to the head after what the shit you see dished up on uh, their staff and their matches, like, they wouldn't know how to take that kick. They're just, yeah. It's just like, that guy's dead. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I really don't know about this um, NXT uh, All Japan agreement. Uh, if, it, if it's Ooh. just... You know, getting guys that have a rad performance like uh, Dempsey did, mm. then sure, bring it on. But yeah, I don't know. It's a that's a whole different kettle of fish. But oh, um, yeah. I uh, yeah, initially when you know we were thinking where's where's Nakajima going to end up after he was leaving Noah, you know, I was dreading the idea that he went to NXT or something for that exact same reason because oh. it'd take out like exactly what makes him so mm. special, and it's him being like a hard hitting, stiff mm. badass, you know. Oh, and that's been why he's best suited to stay in Japan. It's like, hmm. like, because as you saw with Kenta, when he made that move, and knew he had to change the way he wrestled, and he hits nowhere near as hard as Nakajima does. Oh, I don't know if you watch watch oh, Kenta from back in the day okay. in Noah. <laughs> okay. But he went once he changed. Yeah, yeah. As as you've seen what he he does now, it's like, like yes, once once he got yeah. deprogrammed, hmm. kind of thing. He has not got that killer intensity back in his kick. I mean, you um, see, you see it a little mm. bit. I remember um, Kenta's big return to Noah mm. on the Budokan show uh, at the start of twenty twenty three. That felt like old old mm. OG Kenta. Maybe it's even just like a bit of a stylistic thing where New Japan guys just you know don't like to go quite as hard as your your Noah or, or Japan style. I don't know. Like you. Definitely, I'd say that with most guys, but you still got your guys like Suzuki, Ishii, who do, Nagata, do take, even though they're older, 
do take those those hard, stiff kicks. Like I don't see some of their top guys, even a Shingo. Like these guys definitely would take that kind of kick after what I've what I've seen Shingo do over the years. But it just doesn't seem. Well, he's, he's definitely changed the style because of the injury he's had. It's a slower paced style, but I don't know just ex- except for that Noah match, he just doesn't seem to have that same fire in the kick. Mm, yeah, but that does right. make sense. But uh, man, thankfully Nakajima still does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see him being a person. What I think was, he's been going for what probably 18, 18 years or so. I don't see that guy changing for anyone. <laughs> Bloody hope not. I hope not. Because it's like no matter who you are, he treats you the same. Mm. Kicks the fucking shit out of you. <laughs> Reminiscent of, uh, I think I was when I had uh, Jonathan McBurney on the other week, we were talking mm. about how the magic of Vader was he was just an equal opportunity pu- like punisher, regardless of whether you're a jobber or like you're fucking Antonio Inoki or Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan. He's going to hit you just as bloody hard or Shawn oh. Michaels. I respect the hell out of a guy as an equal opportunist. Absolutely. But, yeah, right. I feel like Nakajima's mm. the same. Well, that, that was the, actually just a He clip. officially started in 2004. Mm. It's fucking crazy. Nakajima? 20 years. Yeah. So he's only, I swear he's only like 35. Yeah. Well, he started real young. Yeah. Like he was just a prodigy, um, you know, but yeah, so that makes sense. Mm. But man, that um, right near the finish, that Northern Lights bomb mm. that he breaks out, the, the ode to, to his mentor, Kensuke, um, again, tying it all back together with, um, you know, Kento Miyahara's experience under Kensuke mm. as well. Uh, I just thought that was so good. Like, he had the had a great near fall off of the Brain Buster earlier, which mm. was um, uh, Nakajima's uh, other finish for, for a long time as well. Um, but, man, when he hit that, that Northern Lights and then... Did you? I don't know if you got the same thing, but when I was watching it and the, the Japanese commentary of it, and just that like that amazing like Japanese commentary yell of Northern Lights Bomb. Oh, no, I definitely got that because that's the only. One. It's like cause I've that's one move I've very rarely seen. The only other person I remember seeing it recently do it was is Eddie. Yeah, yeah, it's and, like a, another tribute mm, to to Kensuke, mm, I guess. And maybe uh, that Julia. Chick, I'm pretty sure she does something. She lands in bang. Oh. I think she la- pretty much drops them straight on their top of their the top of their back. It's a uh, sh- hers is pretty vicious too. Julia Hart? No, not fuck. There's no chance now that fucking chick could do that. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the Julia, the guy, the chick who's oh from Stardom. W- yeah. Watched, right, right. <laughs> Slightly different people. <laughs> yeah. So you know how Stardom had that fuck, fuck up with their big show on the 29th? Mm. So they put up they put up that show, the full show, plus the year before's full show. Mm. So over the Christmas break, I watched both of those shows. And I was oh, pretty, yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me yeah, this. Pretty sure she landed and there was another big match she was in. I swear I saw her do that. 
Northern Lights. Well, I guess if, if when she's doing it, it's probably also a bit of an ode to um, Akira Hokuto. Because, mm. um, you know, it, 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 most people also, you know, alternate between calling it the Northern Lights bomb or the Hokuto driver mm. um, because of her. And I, I think Kensuke might have only started doing it after they got together. Yeah. Don't don't mm. quote me on that one, but I think that might be a thing, and it was sort of like a tribute to his wife mm. kind of deal. Um, but yeah, very very synonymous with uh, Joshi wrestling because of Hokuto. Do you roughly remember what time they got together? What year? I his... remember hearing, always hearing the story of they got together on that um, that Korea show, Collision in Korea, where uh, WCW and New Japan had the the big card. The, the one that, you know, still holds yeah, the, the attendance record. Um, and I remember Dave always posts, like, right, whenever he's talking about that show, he'll always shoehorn the story in, of the boys. The biggest thing they were talking about was that was when um, Kensuke and Hokuto first met and got along really well, and then they could hear them having the loudest <laughs> sex you ever did hear through the floor or through the other wall or whatever. Wow. <laughs> So roughly what year was that, you reckon? Um, pretty sure that was, uh, no, was that 90, 97, 96, 97, I want to say? Now, I was trying to get the time frame of when the hell had been together for. Oh, no, so, that actually took place in 1995. Okay, even earlier. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I'm pretty sure you're right on the... the, the thing of her first he did it to an ode to her because i swear i don't remember seeing him do it in a few of those matches i watched him do it was he did use it as a finisher though correct yeah yeah from that point on like i mainly remember watching most of kensuke during his great run in noah Mm. um when sort of it was him and uh nakajima together a lot they had a great great tag team as well but he had a a great run um, where he, he finally wins the, the GHC mm. Heavyweight Championship back in the day. Um, and, yeah, he was definitely using the, the Northern mm. Lights at that point mm. as a big finish. The timeline definitely makes sense to him adding it into an ode to her. Yeah, it's also, I think so. It sounds a good story anyway. Yeah, yeah, let's run with mm. it. Mm. <laughs> and then straight from that Northern Lights into right back to the arm mm. with that awesome Yuji Nagata-esque, like, eyes to the mm. sky uh, arm bar. And I was just, when he had it on, I was thinking, like, this should be the, f-, like, when I was watching it yeah. the first time, um, I was like, this should be the finish, you know? Like, mm. he's worked this arm up so much, mm. this should be the finish, but I bet it won't be. Like, he'll get, like, a, you know, you'll go on to something else or whatever. Yeah have like a big uh you know big one two three yeah no and then it was the finish and i was just like that is so perfect well that's the thing that shot me too because i did not see it as much as i thought it should happen Hmm. i did not see that as being his finish because he he never's never's finished with it i've seen it's like new new nakajima Mm. he's he's got the the spirit of uh anoki possessing him Mm. i i I like the the elevation and the adding to the moves because as, even though he, is, he was perfect beforehand, it's like adding this little bit of extra mm. just just gives him that little something else. And I think it was perfect timing because, like, as we know of, like, when you watch guys mm. for a long time, it's all about sort of reinventing themselves mm. um, to stand the test of time. 
And I, I, I'm i intrigued to see whether is this the new Nakajima going forward or was this just, you know, a, a one-off? Yeah. I saw he did have the same look for um, the the Dempsey match. Well, um, but we'll have to see. Like the feel the look definitely will stay at least for the title reign. I'm intrigued to see if he keeps doing the Northern Lights bomb and the arm bar as finishes. Oh, he's always kept, had the... Um... Oh, I don't know about always, but he's always sort of had the, the Northern Lights in his back pocket mm. as like a real big finish if he needed mm. it. Um, like I definitely yeah. remember him doing it in some of his big Noah matches back in the day. But in, yeah. the la- in the last few years, though, have you do you remember him doing it that much? Uh, not not that much, but just yeah. sort of like for real big kind of ones. Like I think he might have used it when he won the, the GHC Championship that last yeah. time. Maybe. Cause, cause I'm trying to remember his... From his big Keno matches, I honestly can't remember him doing the Northern Lights bomb. Right. But that could just be my bad memory. <laughs> we watch a lot of wrestling, to yeah. be fair. <laughs> that's, that's why I, I tell Eloise, it's like, I have to have some notes. <laughs> because I watch so many different matches that sometimes you can get confused when you see the same guy and, yeah. and, and add a little bit into a match. It's like, oh, no, that wasn't from that match. That was from another one. So yeah, but, but if I give myself a few pointers and a few things, I can help when I'm talking about re picture it in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I definitely find that rewatching these matches and taking some notes is mm. very, very helpful. Or it makes for mm. a bit, bit more of an interesting discussion. I think when we can yeah. actually remember what happens, <laughs> other than just that was just so awesome. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It's like that's why it's like the first watch is to enjoy. Unless it's really late at night and you try and watch it, and then you have to watch it again the next day. Yeah. Which did happen with Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, no. And, or when we're going to review the match with you, rewatch it, take some notes, a few, few spots, a few feels. But yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I enjoy the process, mm. honestly, of, of rewatching the matches. Mm. In some way, it's like, a bit of a chore because you're like, oh, you mm. know, I already watched it kind of thing mm. and I've got so much other wrestling I need to fucking make it to. But in other ways, it's like, it's almost like re-watching a really good movie, mm. like where you notice little things that you didn't notice the first time around. Like I was saying with that, um, the, the first bit where he starts targeting the, the arm mm. with that, yeah. that kick and it being such a pronounced thing. Because mm. I remember the arm working the arms, but I did not realise from the whole match, it was the right arm he was specifically working the whole time. It wasn't, he wasn't old and he specifically targeted and kept targeting just the one arm. Yeah, so good. And then mm. that is cool in and of itself because it's always the, the, the pro wrestling thing of uh, you always work the left brother. That was, <laughs> that was always what, um... have you heard that? No, I, 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 I have not heard that, heard that. Oh, shit. Well, as a fighter, the left for most people is normally their jab because most people are, are right-handed. For me, I'm a left-hander, so my power punch right. is a left. But why does it always work the left? Well, I think it's it's easier like from a, a worker perspective. Mm. So I remember learning it like back in the day when I used to wrestle, kind of thing. Mm. Um, like it's easier for submissions and counters and stuff if you all sort of just learn it on one side, kind of thing. Um, but then it's the opposite in Mexico. In Mexico, they often work the right. Um, but the funniest thing I remember, uh, might've been from watching British wrestling back in the day where I think they were working the left as well. 
Um, I remember hearing the, the, the great commentator, he, and he said, you might notice these wrestlers are working the left-hand side. Now, a lot of the time, that's because of a gentleman's agreement, because they have to, they're, they're wrestling in this match, but, you know, you don't want to harm a man's income outside of the <laughs> ring. So, you know, you've got to put the food on, on the table for your family. So, yeah, you know, we, we, it's a gentleman's agreement to work the left so that, you know, assuming they're right-handed, they can still, you know, work on cars or whatever uh, they're doing during the day. Which uh, I was just so tickled when I heard that. I thought that was great. Uh, I, I definitely like that one. That's a nice little story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's the explanation for you there, Ben. It's a gentleman's agreement, but not in this match. <laughs> <laughs> There's no gentleman, gentleman's agreement in this match. It's just to hurt each other as much as we yeah, can. But man, what what a match! I uh, I definitely on rematch. I was like steadfast in my thoughts that yeah, I think this was my favorite of mm. the two. Um, just so good, so many little things, um, and I just I just really really enjoyed it a whole bunch and I'm I'm so excited for this new reinvigorated mm. Nakajima what what's next to come in all Japan um and I'm That's a little bit we- weary of this WWE thing you're saying mm. but you know in general I'm I'm, int- I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see where they go cuz he's won the belt if I argue so definitely there's going to be a rematch down the line he's been Kento Ishikawa is on the outs. Well, did you hear who who challenged him um, after his successful defense against um, Charlie Dempsey? Uh, no, I haven't seen. I was aiming to watch that show, but I decided to watch the the big Noah show first. Uh, I don't know who's challenged him next. Uh, Ashino. Ooh. That should be a really good match. Did he have a match with Ashino when he first came over to All Japan? No, no, I don't think they've. Um, I mean, unless they, they, they probably would have um, crossed paths in the tag league. I'm assuming, mm. but they definitely haven't had any big singles matches. So I think that'd be great. No, I'm definitely looking forward to that. They're definitely their high end matches are definitely up there. So I definitely enjoy my old. Oh, it's some of the, I reckon it's some of the best wrestling mm. going. Full stop. Like top end all Japan mm. is like. The best contemporary mm. wrestling, I think. I mean, obviously, you know, and you know how much I love Noah, mm. so it's hard uh, for me to say that. I mean, it's a, it's often you know on on par for sure. Mm. But right now, uh, all Japan's on on a, a tear. They 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 definitely they definitely are. They they're doing what they need to do to start bringing themselves back uh, to back to back to where they should be up in the. Fighting Noah, then New Japan for the top promotion in Japan. Yeah, I think they've obviously had some rebuilding to do, um, but I think they had a fantastic 2023. Mm. Um, and assuming everything is not just fucked because of this stupid WWE well, agreement, well, it, <laughs> hopefully good things for 2024. Uh, well, it's more the fact of this, the senior guys, the locker room guys they lost, like Ishikawa, Omori. That was the biggest loss to me. Mm. I mean, I'm a big Omori fan. Mm. I love that dude. I would love to see Omori come to to Noah. Mm. Um, so that was a bit. That was a bit sad. Um, you know, Yoshitatsu. Uh, probably not the biggest Yoshitatsu fan. <laughs> I, can, I, I can't <laughs> um, say. Sad I about um, Masafuchi. Mm. 
with like Fuchi and all of his history in in all Japan, but it sounds like they're still giving him like a big send off show coming up in the uh, near future. And the dude is like sixty, sixty eight, sixty nine yeah. years old. Well, for health reasons, I I I definitely understand him not wrestling. But, uh, I'm just intrigued yeah. to see what what was the falling out over and why. It's like the other guys definitely. But the big one was like you're saying, Shuji mm. Ishikawa, because yeah. Ishikawa was in addition to being like one of their top headliners, still one of the best guys in ring that you'll ever see. Mm. Um, just watched him have a, a fantastic match uh, this past year when he challenged um, Yuji Nagata when Nagata had mm. that really good uh, little run with the Triple yeah. Crown. Um, uh, but also apparently he was like uh, had uh, quite a lot of backstage uh responsibility um mm. and he was like the i can't remember the official term but basically the guy in in charge of the the locker room basically like the liaison mm. between the the locker room and the and the office um so i don't know something something must be a bit bit awry also because that guy definitely goes it's like it's not like you can't say you still yeah. got something he's like- the one that hurts if, mm. if he actually is leaving well, it's like the way they said it, it's like he just they didn't pick up his contract, resigning. They just let it. Which that's got to be some some political beef yeah. there because you don't just not pick up Shuji Ishikawa's contract with how great he is. It must have been some sort of um, political turmoil. I'm assuming, yeah. especially when they've only got they they've got good top guys and young good young guys coming through, but their roster isn't massive. And to let a guy, a guy go like him, it has to yeah. be an issue. For the sound of it, with the the president who who made the call to do the apparently not not the most popular man in the world right now. because yeah. it's like the Charlie Dempsey match. Definitely, they he won them over in the end. But by the sound of it, the fans were not happy in that fucking tag, the lead up tag match he did, and then giving him the win over Nakajima mm. as well, which I thought was a huge call. I mean, it makes sense from like if you've got this outsider coming mm. in who it's like, what, what the fuck is this guy? You know, even mm. challenging for the triple crown, and then I guess they had to do something to be like, no, look here, you know, well, he's got to win over Nakajima, well, and so it puts a bit more doubt mm. in people's mind. Mm. Well, sometimes they do in Japan anyway. In that in that lead up tag, if the guy gets the win over the partner, he sometimes wins the challenge that way. But to give him the actual pin, it's mm. like they've definitely. I was surprised, but I can understand why. But still surprising, just the way they normally operate. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I guess it's just the level of emphasis you want to give mm. it. Really, like sometimes you do see, especially Noah. You know, sometimes mm. the the challenger gets a big win over the champion in their last yeah. preview tag. Um, but yeah, I I personally did not like the optics of like a guy who's not even really prominently spotlighted in NXT mm. coming in and like wrestling mm. your your you know triple crown champion. Because mm. like Noah, definitely it happens all the time. It's not a surprise to see, say Keno in a, in a lead up match to Go Shizako getting pinned by Go in a, one of those matches. Name value definitely different, but you, mm. it's not a surprise to see it happen. But yeah, the optics of a guy you're trying to elevate and make your guy get him to pinned by a guy, as you say, even like 
I don't watch NXT, but I do listen to Brian talk about it all the time. He fucking loves it for some reason. Brian Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. But he, Charlie Dempsey is not a name I've heard very often. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't watched the, the match uh, between Nakajima and Charlie Dempsey yet, but I heard it was bloody sick, so I'm, oh. I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to watch it because, yeah, I heard the same thing. It's a really good match. It's just, yeah, it was surprising, but I'm intrigued to see it. I mean, so in a perfect world, we'll, we'll, this is my one thing of this, like, WWE All Japan Agreement thing. In a perfect world for me, if this agreement is limited to just some of the NXT guys that, that have a, a desire to do so, mm. um, getting to come over and maybe participate in some All Japan tours, mm. being on these shows, you know, making them more well-rounded and mm. giving them, like, matches against guys, like, honestly, th- there's no way in a million years you'd have anyone in NXT anywhere near the talent level of, like, a Nakajima. Mm. You know, like, there's just no way that, that you'd wrestle that, that level of quality opponent. So I could see it being really mm. good for their talent, their, especially the younger guys, mm. if they were getting to come over. Um, maybe All Japan gets a bit of a sweetheart deal because they're, you know, perhaps WWE is paying for, for their, um, you know, yeah. their transport or, like, their, their match fees mm. when they're over there, so it saves them on having to spend that money on, on Gaijin talent themselves. That would make sense. Um, but if it's anything further or anything like those bloody awful um, WXW or ICW or Progress deals that you'd heard, heard about that basically mm. killed the entire UK yeah. wrestling scene... Uh, I very much hope that's not yeah. the case. Like the the one thing you can see, you can see WWE trying to use it as a foothold to get their themselves a promotion or at least shows in Japan because it's the way they operate. They they start small mm. and they try and get something going. I don't mind all Japan using it to further their their name, get that back out there. They may they get their guys more ring work, save expenses, generate more income, maybe even get a few subscriptions out of it from NXT viewers wanting to see their guys compete in all Japan, that kind of thing. Mm. You just don't want them to get any kind of long-term hold into the company or say or try and buy or completely destroy something as they did to the, those British companies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those, uh, I think those companies are still kicking, but they are nowhere near what they were before well, that um, predatory WWE shit went down. Well, you don't even hear those. For me, I, you don't even hear them to the point. Well, the only one I hear of these days is Rev Pro. The others, it's like they don't exist anymore. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. And it, uh, it sucks, especially for a company like WXW that had mm. so much awesome history back in the day. But anyway, that is that is a different topic. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> but is. I think this has been good. We've, yeah. we've got our match of the week. We've talked a little old Japan goss for our listeners. Mm. I don't know where else you're going to get that these days. <laughs> but maybe you don't want to listen to that on a wrestling art podcast. I don't know. Oh. It's, a, it's a work in progress. <laughs> Every now and then, a little bit, a little funny story is not going to hurt anyone. Hey, you're you're our Japanese wrestling correspondent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just just mixing it up from the the artists that come on here. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's good. I think it's mm. good. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for coming on the show. I had a blast talking about this match, talking about some some old Japan. This has been good stuff. I uh, I hope um, you're um, so you still got the the stay at home father responsibilities, or you're back at work now, so that's over for the moment. No, so I was back at work today, and I was sitting waiting to start work for four and a half hours today. Oh my gosh! Because Yuck. the the union uh, shut the site, saying it was um, unsafe to work in because of the water in the, the basement level of the train station. Oh wow! Yeah. I, so did you get to watch a whole bunch of rad wrestling? Oh, I I did I did watch about an hour of Noah, <laughs> but nice. I also had to keep checking to see if the place had been reopened. So it, I only watched yeah like the the three-way tag team elimination match of the big right, right, show. Right. And so you're not, you're not committing to a big, a big classic at that point. No, nah, like that actually, that match had some amazing shit in it. It was very short, which I thought was going to be the case when the show has like 13 matches in six hours. It was like, Man, I'll definitely need to make my way onto that one. That's the the big Noah show at Ariaki, right? Yeah, I want to try and get that done before the the big Kano Go match, uh, which is I think in three days, maybe. Unless I'm messing up my dates, which could quite possibly happen. That's coming up real soon. But I'm I'm gonna be a little brutal. I'm not nice. gonna. I don't think I'm gonna watch every match. To be honest, that's the way you got to be. Sometimes you got to be a bit cutthroat. I I did that in Wrestle Kingdom, and I I think that was actually the first time I watched a show pretty much live in I reckon a, a year or two. The Wrestle Kingdom show, and that was purely because I was home by myself because my daughter had basically gone to sleep <laughs> during that her that ram that stupid Rambo thing that goes. Before the pre-show, so she <laughs> fell asleep just after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh, wife's out. So I thought, oh, she's working actually. So I'll take this opportunity to watch my first show live. Nice. And I made it right through Okada Danielson. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I can't go to the main event. It's like, this is already 10 o'clock. It's been nearly five hours. Oh, I haven't seen the Okada Danielson one yet, but I have a feeling... From what I hear, there's a there's a good chance that that p- could potentially be a future match of the week whenever I do watch it. So we'll see. I'm not promising anything. I haven't watched the match yet, so I can't tell you it was my favourite thing I watched. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. I I did watch it twice. Wow. All right. Well, I'll I'll let you know what I think. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show, man. No worries. Appreciate your time. Too. Anything to plug? No, uh, Aurora. Has found her way to like the beach again <laughs> from being scared of the water. Okay. Last week we got her to go up in up to her waist. So that was that was a big win. Oh wow. Yep. Go Aurora. Yep. I couldn't well believe, couldn't believe it when I saw it. It did proceed to her trying to eat sand and other stuff, but <laughs> we can't win everything. <laughs> yeah. One step one step yeah. at a time. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the small wins we take, the small wins. Lovely. When she gets that sand right next to the chips. She had the fish and chips at the beach. She get the sand, the chips, and it's oh, yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> so so beach times and chips. Yep, that, that's my big plug. Aurora likes the water again. <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> you have the most heartwarming plugs, I feel. <laughs> All right, mine less less heartwarming. I just, I just want to... Get some, get some uh, business going, you know. 
Yeah, make a living here. So if you jump on christhings.com.au, you'll be able to do that. You can buy some prints, some original artwork. I've got a, a sweet uh, painting up there right now of a, uh, a, a small uh, masked Mexican Mexican wrestler that was a, a Christmas-themed piece. I think I spoke about that on a previous one. But yeah, jump on there. Buy some stuff. Follow me at Chris Things on the Twitter and on the Instagram. A uh, big thank you to Social Suplex for keeping this going. Uh, you can check out a whole bunch of other rad podcasts up there. Socialsuplex.com. Uh, keeping it strong style with the young boy, Josh Smith. Uh, we've got uh, One Nation Radio and a gaggle of other stuff. So check that out. Thank you to Social Suplex. But most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. I appreciate your time for listening to this show, uh, for your support, uh, for for received some lovely messages um, from, from some of my listeners so far that were just absolutely heartwarming. So I really appreciate all that stuff, guys. Uh, so please keep on listening. Tell a friend. Uh, let us keep this thing going. But uh, no, thank you. Uh, and I, I think that's it. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. I do the hammer lock. Thank you so much. Alright, Chris, anytime, anytime. Yeah, I think at this point, every time there's an All Japan show that earns a match of the week, you're my guy. Well, I'm happy to.